Welcome to the Beef Wash Podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch Podcast, we're going to be discussing a recently developed and released NEB guide titled Breeding Bull Management. It's a year-round commitment. To discuss this, I'm joined today by two of the co-authors, Dr. Carla Wilkie, who's a Nebraska Extension Cow-Calf and Stalker Management Specialist, as well as Hannah Greenwell, who's a Nebraska Extension Beef Systems Educator. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. Well, I think this is a really timely topic. Obviously, this is the time of year when there's already been quite a few bull sales occur. Uh, Still some bull sales happening now. But as we think about those bulls coming into the herd and we're getting ready for the spring breeding season, really thinking about bull management and having that bull as best prepared as we can to go out and make sure he's effective in breeding cows is pretty important. Share with us some key things that you shared in the NEB guide that you think producers should be aware of and paying attention to as we think about the upcoming spring breeding season. So a lot of times when we we buy a new bull, he's going to be in a body condition score six or so on a one to nine scale. And that's that's a really good place for that bull to be. And we want to be sure that we maintain him there from now to going into the breeding season he's going to lose some weight when he starts chasing cows around. And we want to make sure that he goes into it with a little bit of um, condition to, to give if he needs to, if he comes in in really good condition and he's been on a really good diet, we don't want to just crash his diet to just some winter range um, and, and, and consider that to be maintenance because that's not necessarily the diet that's going to maintain him in good condition. Um, especially a young bull that we need to remember has a growth requirement as well as just a maintenance requirement. And I think, Carla, the the good point that you made in this NEB guide is just how big of an impact that breeding season can have. You know, whenever you start thinking about dropping them in with cows and and everything's hunky-dory because we're we're putting them on some good grass and stuff, but still that bull spends more time chasing cows, hopefully, than really maintaining himself. And so the potential for them to lose 100 to 200 pounds in 60 days, I think, is huge. And so moving even not just within the breeding season, but then beyond it and the amount of management that you still need to pay attention to those bulls post-breeding, I think is a big point in this NEB guide as well, don't you, Carla? I do. And, and one of the points that we tried to make in it is there's a table in the NEB guide that gives example diets of the feed that you might have available and what you might want to feed if you are just trying to maintain the bull versus whether he needs to gain 100 pounds in 90 days or whether he needs to gain 100 pounds in 60 days. Because another thing that can happen to us, whether, you know, is with our bulls, not necessarily the ones that we just purchased, but also bulls that we've had in our battery, we get busy with a lot of things on the farm and ranch. And sometimes that 90 days prior to breeding season slips up on us. Um, all of a sudden we realized we haven't been maybe paying as much attention to the condition of the bulls through the winter as we should have, or maybe we were trying, but we had a really bad winter that was really hard on them and they lost a little condition. And so there's a couple of options in there for the amount of feed that it would take to get him ready to go in 90 days versus 60 days. And any time that we're having to increase energy and really push an animal, it does cost a little more. And so it, it really probably does pay us to, Pay attention to him year-round and then be prepared to make adjustments 90 days prior to the breeding season and not all of a sudden, oh, we might have gotten behind there. 
Let's talk a little bit about that time from wherever you're at now till the breeding season starts. And spermatogenesis takes about 60 days. And so really we need to be thinking about stress at the time of spermatogenesis is going to impact potentially that bull's fertility. So as we record this, we're sitting here in mid mid April or so. And so if we're thinking about the late May, June turnout right now is really where stress on that bull right now could be having an impact on his fertility. Yeah, from a nutrition standpoint, it, it certainly can if he's thin and he's not getting the, the, you know, the energy, the protein, the vitamins and minerals that he needs that can certainly impact it. As well as I'm sure what Hannah was going to talk about, maybe it was a little bit of some of the environmental issues that we face right now. Absolutely. You know, like Carla mentioned, that that hard weather, you know, uh, knock on wood, this has not been that year that we've seen in the past two years here locally in Nebraska but, you know, whenever you've got those colder weather events, and, and like Carla said, it's so easy to shove the bulls in the back pasture and, and stay focused on the daily grind on the operation because that's where we all get stuck. But keeping them, keeping them in the forefront of the, the thought process at the same time is going to help during those cold events whenever you're, you're trying to get everything fed up, making sure we're paying attention to getting those bulls bedded just a little bit because you've still got to be able to let them protect everything keeping them out of the wind um, is a huge one so that they can maintain that body temperature, not just for sperm production, but also for that nutrition value as well. That's really huge. Just, just thinking about rolling a bailout for them can, can be a big insurance policy for your breeding season, because like you said, Aaron, being 60 days out, you've, you've still got to be on the ball for that. Let's talk a little about bull fertility and the importance of getting a breeding soundness exam conducted. Obviously, if you go buy a new bull, uh, more than likely that bulls had a breeding soundness exam, but what about bulls that we've had in the bull battery over the last year? Do we need to have them examined as well? Yep. So I, I'm a, I'm a big proponent of anytime you want to put a drop a bull out with some cows to, to make your next calf crop, this is a pretty good insurance policy. The, the BSE, you know, it's, it's done by your, you need to get one done by your local vet. We always encourage that really good, really patient client relationship with your vet because they're going to be the ones who can make this good call for you. And the BSE, you know, it can vary, but for the most part, it's primarily that physical examination of, of all the equipment, uh, the reproductive examination, which is includes your scrotal circumference measurement. So that way, like you, you can know whether that bull is having some onset issues or some deterioration. And then lastly, the, the analysis of all the semen collection and examination um, the combination of all those are going to allow you to ensure that he's going to make it through that 60 day breeding season. He's going to be able to successfully breed some cows for you. And it's not something that you're going to have to worry about come preg check later on. I just, it, it's the, the peace of mind, not only, but as well as the science behind making sure that you're turning out a productive bull whenever you, you go to start that breeding season, I think is huge. Um, for the most part, though, Aaron, I think that the NEB guide goes into a really great uh, amount of detail about a breeding soundness exam. It's really worth your while to be able to look through some of the things uh, that Dr. McCarthy contributed from that aspect in this NEB guide. Let's talk a little about the breeding season itself. When we turn a bull out, we need to be paying attention as well. Is that bull able to do his job? Talk a little more about some things that really drive a bull's effectiveness and from a management perspective, things you need to watch and be aware of? Well, I think one of the things that can be really important with the bull, and it's just making sure that before you go out with the cows, that they've been able to associate with the new bulls that you might have brought 
them into. So obviously you would have had some old bulls. You bought three new bulls, you know, you put them in there. And you really don't want the bulls trying to establish who's dominant when they should be breeding cows. You want some of that stuff sorted out so that their focus can be on the cows. And I know there's times that, you know, we get in a hurry with things that we're doing and, and maybe don't take time to make sure we do some of those things. But probably just as important as the breeding soundness exam itself is making sure that once they go out there, their focus is going to be on the cows. And that can have, you know, really a lot of things can play into that. One can be that getting social dominance decided before the cows are involved. And part of it can be that breeding ratio. And I think Hannah addressed in the NEB guide some really good points about that countable ratio and that helping him get his job done, both from him not having too much to do and, and from him not having enough to do. That's, I'm glad you brought that up because that's a big part whenever you want to talk about being able to truly manage that social dominance because we only have so much control over that aspect and being able to, to make sure we're focusing on the part we can control. Being able to match your bull demand to your, to your supply is huge because it, it keeps them busy. Um, it, it allows you to honestly be more economical with your bull buying decisions at the end of the day as well. If you're implementing AI technology at the beginning of the breeding season, there's a good chance that you're going to be able to have fewer bulls in general. But what the best part about that is, is you can even do that within a breeding season when you're all natural service as well. Um, some producers have good success with uh, two different approaches to this, whether that is being able to rotate your bulls in general. So you've got your first turn of bulls who might maybe do the first 30 days and then you have your second turn of bulls to be able to do the next 30 days. And a, another advantage to that is if you're maybe wanting to group up some eight uh, bulls by age, and so you're able to have a more management approach to introducing those bulls to each other just within the same age range um, and decrease some of that social interaction if need be. The second approach is that we are hopefully settling two thirds of those cows in that first cycle. And so thinking about as we get farther and farther from the breeding season, we see those bulls laying around a little bit more. We know, you know, when your cows are cycling, you, you can really tell that they've settled most of those cows up in the first part of that breeding season. Like we want that distribution to be there's an opportunity that if you want to uh, remove some of the additional bull power from that scenario, that wouldn't be a bad call because you're, you're ensuring the longevity of those bulls. You're not pulling down on them nutritionally as much um, and you're reducing some of the risk of injury at the same time. So I think that those are two really good management opportunities. Another one that we talked about was implementing breeding groups, Carla. And I think that, um, I think that this was one of your ideas actually, because I, I really ran with this because I, I like this from the standpoint of you don't always have to have, take a bigger group and drop a whole mess of bulls in on top of them. Maybe that looks like instead of 10 bulls in a pasture, 250 cows, maybe we're looking closer at a, a smaller group of 50 to hundred cows. So we're, we're managing our bull numbers in that way in one place. Um, and then lastly, establishing your social order early. And this is something we've talked about before, thinking about when the best time to introduce those new bulls to the older bulls, like you mentioned earlier. Um, doing it before they hit the, the breeding pasture is probably gonna be in the best interest of everybody. Um, allowing them to, like Carla mentioned before, uh, focus on what they're supposed to be focusing on during breeding season and not, not worried about each other. Anything else you'd like to highlight on this topic? 
I don't think so. I think, uh, Carla, do you have anything else to add? You know, that seasonal management, some, some shade and some good water in the summer and some, as you mentioned, the bedding, the wind breaks in the winter can go a long way to keeping a bull in the bull battery. And, and um, that's nothing usually to do with the breeding season when we're actually focused on bulls. So again, that's why we titled the NEV guide, you know, bull management. It's, it's a year round commitment. It really, Carla, correct me if I'm wrong, but that is really the, the point that prompted us getting this NEV guide put together is just because we, we realize how hard it can be whenever you get stuck in the grind from day to day. But yeah, keeping in mind those bulls that they need your attention from time to time throughout the year as well. Well, thanks again for joining me today. I appreciate it. Thank you for having us. For more information on the topic that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, I would encourage you to visit the beef.unl.edu website. Again, we're discussing a recently released NEV guide titled Breeding Bull Management. It's a year-round commitment.